Welcome to the Conscious Fire Culture. We give you direct access to healers, practitioners, and shamans as we explore alternative medicine for wildland firefighters. The mission is to break the stigma of mental health in wildland fire and lower the suicide rates. Our intention is to guide you through a transformation that creates a ripple effect in our community. Welcome, I'm so excited you've made it. All right, check this out. Mountain Mind Tricks and the Wildland Wellness Foundation are coming together for this amazing collaboration. This is going to be the most powerful thing to come to the wildland fire community in a long time, I think. And that is, you know, master plant ceremonies mixed with holistic medicine, with acupuncture, chiropractors, so the breakthrough session, all these things coming into one to support you, the wildland firefighter, to help you regain your mental health, your physical health, and get back to peak performance as soon as possible. Because when we work with master plants and essential oils and acupuncture and chiropractic and mental emotion release, when we put all these together, it is a powerful transformational experience that really it's it's beyond words because once you're touched by the divine once you're in touch with that healing energy of the universe with that innate power for you to heal yourself there's no stopping it it's like a runaway train it's like you're gonna start healing you're gonna have a transformation that has this ripple effect that goes beyond just you and your family but to your crew to your fire station to your you know your workstation to your forest, to your region, to the community. And really what we want to do is, is give you the most amazing ceremonial experience and back that up with the integration. How do you take those experiences and come back to 3D reality and implement them? Implement those lessons, those realizations that are so deep and profound that your entire life changes. How do you integrate those? You know, one of my great mentors once told me, it's like, you get a puzzle and all the pieces are all spread out but then you get to start putting that puzzle back together into a new way a new possibility a new way of being and that's that's what the foundation is working on you know the first retreat is the end of january of 2022 and if that's interesting to you i want you to go to the wildlandwellnessfoundation.com check that out and just schedule a call with melissa and See if it's a good fit. Again, that's wildlandwellnessfoundation.com. The foundation of Mountain Mind Tricks is the breakthrough sessions for wildland firefighters. And it's one of the most rewarding things I've ever done in my entire life is to guide somebody through an awakening experience, remembering that they have the power to heal and giving them the tools to release the anger, sadness, fear, hurt, and guilt from their past, and to truly release it, to let it go. And when I see these transformations in my clients, it's like night and day. There's before the breakthrough session, and then there's after. And there's just so many times that their transformation touches me that I, I cry. Like it, it's so powerful and joyful to see that transformation inside them. And and there's there's so many modalities out there. There is acupuncture and traditional therapy and plant medicine. And, but I love the breakthrough session. I think it's an amazing adjunct to all these other things or even Western medicine. And the breakthrough session is so important to me because it's what changed my life. 
It's what allowed me to completely let go of my anxiety and to move forward and to become the healer that I am today, to start my own company, Mountain Mind Tricks. Like that's that's because of the breakthrough session. Without that, there wouldn't be any of this. And so if you're interested in a breakthrough session to really overcome the blocks in your life, to let it all go, to really step into your light and be who you know you could be, if you want that to happen for you, just go to mountainmindtricks.com, go ahead and click that button, alternative mental health, scroll through there if it looks like something you want. Let's, let's schedule a discovery session. Let's just chat about it. Let's have a talk to make sure it's a good fit. So again, go to mountainmindtricks.com and click the alternative mental health button. Welcome everybody to the show. I'm so excited to have Cheryl Ilove. She's an author, a physical therapist, martial artist, and a Feldenkrais practitioner. And this is going to be such an amazing show because we're going to talk about neuroplasticity and movement and how to be healthy using our bodies and the nervous system. And, and Cheryl, can you, for one, tell us what Feldenkrais is and, and like, how did you get into this modality? Like, how did that happen? What was the journey like? Well, it was pretty amazing for for, for one, um, but Feldenkrais, I describe it as a highly sophisticated form of neuromuscular re-education based on the scientific principle of neuroplasticity, which of course, for those who don't know what neuroplasticity is, it's just um, the ability for our brain, our nervous system, and our bodies to be able to interrupt habitual patterns that we have that might not be serving us well and introduce new patterns of moving, sensing, feeling, and thinking and incorporate that in every aspect of our lives. And you know, we do it through movement, very gentle movement, self-awareness, and self-exploration. Oh, that's amazing. So it, it kind of sounds similar to yoga in a way, right? Uh, not exactly. Um, I would say that it would be in relation to the mind-body connection. Okay, okay. But as, as far as, you know, with yoga, and I'm not, I mean, I've only tried a few classes, but yoga, you, you go into certain poses, you hold them, you know, you move through and then hold some other ones again. And in Feldenkrais, we're either constantly moving or resting. Oh, cool. Okay. Okay. That sounds so interesting. And so what was this journey like to get into Feldenkrais? And I know you're, you're way into martial arts as well. And, and like, mm -hmm. how did you, what was the trigger for you to start getting into martial arts and, and these uh, neuromuscular techniques? Oh, let's start with Feldenkrais because, um, you know, as a, I'm also a dancer and I live in Denver and in the Denver Boulder community, there's a lot of alternative uh, modalities for health, healing, wellness, and movement. And I tried a few of them. Like I tried some cranial sacral therapy, which was wonderful, but you know, just didn't really stick for me. Um, I tried a little bit of Alexander technique and I kept hearing about this Feldenkrais and it was like, I don't know what the heck that is. It sounds kind of strange, Feldenkrais. And I would see flyers all over town advertising Feldenkrais lessons, Feldenkrais classes. And there was something about it that, you know, intrigued me in one regard, but on the other hand, Nothing made sense in the flyer of the way that uh, the practitioners would promote the method, 
and they would have like these pictures of stick figures dancing around on the flyers. And it just never really resonated with me, although I was curious about it. And it wasn't until, oh my goodness, I was, I was taking some martial arts classes at the time and I saw, they made an announcement, I saw an announcement somewhere that there was a Feldenkrais practitioner was coming from Taos, New Mexico to Denver to offer a three-day workshop for Feldenkrais for dancers. And so then I said, aha, okay, if it has something to do with dance or can help my ballet technique, you know, this is something that I want to try and this might be the time right now to look into it. So I signed up for the class and I really had no idea what was going on the entire time. It was like a massive confusion. It was like, why am I lying on the floor? If this is gonna help my ballet, why am I not standing up and cranking my hips and, you know, grinding my back and doing all these things? Why am I lying on the floor and doing all this gentle movement? But by the end of the third day, I felt so different. I felt so invigorated, energized, and light. And everything around me, every movement I made just felt so easy and effortless. And from that moment on, I knew I had to become a Feldenkrais practitioner. Oh, that's so amazing. I love that story. And, and I want to go back to martial arts. Like what was, what was going on in your life that time when you really came into martial arts? Well, it wasn't good. Um, I actually had a traumatic experience when I was 44 years old and, you know, it was one of those things that you just, you know, it comes out of the blue, but basically I walked into a doctor's office as a healthy, vibrant 44 year old woman and I walked out a statistic. So I will just say to your audience that predators are everywhere. They are in every profession. They are in every um, community and in every size, shape, form. And it's not just a bad guy hanging out in the back alley and dark, you know, alley late at night waiting to attack. That and attacks come everywhere from every, you know, um, physical, sexual, emotional, psychological, verbal abuse and, and attacks. And it was from that experience that I ended up in martial arts. However, it did not happen uh, right away. It took, my teacher was my acupuncturist. Um, and I met him right after, a few months after this incident happened. And when he first met me and he was putting needles in my legs for the first time. He got a very thoughtful and far away look on his face. And he said to me, you know, with your legs and my coaching, I could teach you how to kill with these things. Wow. And I was like, okay, this is weird. And I thought, who in the world thinks like that, let alone says it out loud? And I thought, I'm going to grab my purse and run, but I was literally pinned to the table so I couldn't move unless I wanted to start running out the door with needles sticking out all over me. So I did stay for the full session. And, you know, I really liked him. There was something about him. He was a really good acupuncturist. And I kept going back to him and he kept talking over the entire session, which would annoy me because I wanted him to leave the room and let the needles do their work, let me relax, talk on and on about his martial art, the art of the ninja, 
It's called Nimpo Taijutsu. And he had his dojo, his martial arts school right next to his clinic. So he would keep trying to talk me into taking classes with him. And I kept saying no. Well, about a year later, he found out, you know, about my story. It kind of came spewing out, as we know things oftentimes do when you try and stuff it. And that's when his campaign to get me on the mat went into high gear, but it still took him another two years. So it took this guy three years to get me on the mat because I kept saying no. And he kept telling me that if I would study just even a little bit of martial arts, learn a few self-defense classes, it would really help me heal from this, you know, the PTSD I was going through. And I still kept saying no, because I didn't understand how hanging out with a bunch of, you know, sweaty men in a smelly dojo was going to help me heal and help me feel any better. And I really felt like, martial arts was not in my DNA. It was something I was never interested in. It was something that would push me so far out of my comfort zone that I was just plain not interested. Well, finally, three three years later, he wore me down. So I agreed to take a few classes just to teach him or show him how much I was going to hate it. And then <laughs> the rest is history. <laughs> right. Oh, that's so awesome. Thank you for for uh, sharing that story. And I'm so sorry you went through something like that. And, and, you know, I've never been through that. I can't understand, but I really appreciate your story and, and sharing oh, it thank with you. us. Thank you. And, you know, it, it actually, for going through something that horrible, and it was, for it to turn out the way it did is pretty remarkable. So, you know, if anybody out there has a similar story, uh, you can easily, not easily, but you can certainly get to the other side and heal from it. Yeah, yeah, thank you. But I want to ask you about this Feldenkrais technique and using the body to access the nervous system. That's that's kind of my understanding of it. And if this is potentially unlocking trauma and helping heal trauma, chronic pain, like what are some of the things that Feldenkrais can do with us physically and mentally, emotionally? Uh, yes, to all of those answers. It's not something that happens instantaneously. It does take a while, but we access the nervous system and the skeletal structure, and we do it through movement, very gentle movement. So we don't um, do anything that's jarring or upsetting to the nervous system. And I was still going through the PTSD at the time that I started my training even though at that point I probably had at least a year, maybe more under my belt of martial arts training, and I was still suffering from the effects of the PTSD. Um, but we never really talk about, you know, getting to the root of the problem, like talking about what happened. I mean, it's not like we talk about the psychological impact of, of what you're going through. It's just like, let's help you feel better in your body. Let's help you feel more comfortable in your body. Because as you know, when you're going through something like trauma, chronic pain, anything, whether it be emotional, psychological, or physical, it impacts, you know, your body as well as, you know, back and forth, the, the body, the brain, the mind, the spirit, the soul. So we just really would focus on making you know, or your client or ourselves comfortable to allow for new movement patterns to, to come in. Because if you're in pain or you're upset, that's what your brain and your nervous system is focusing on. So you cannot allow for new movement patterns to come in because you're uncomfortable. So the first thing you have to learn is to find a way to make yourself comfortable and that's a lot more challenging than it sounds because that's not something that we're used to doing in our society. 
Yeah, this whole idea of being comfortable in our body in the moment. This is, I think, critical to healing trauma. Definitely, it's such mm-hmm. a, such an interesting way of of working with the body and nervous system. All right, check this out. Mountain Mind Tricks and the Wildland Wellness Foundation are coming together for this amazing collaboration. This is going to be the most powerful thing to come to the Wildland Fire community in a long time, I think. And that is, you know, master plant ceremonies mixed with holistic medicine, with acupuncture, chiropractor, so the breakthrough session, all these things coming into one to support you, the wildland firefighter, to help you regain your mental health, your physical health, and get back to peak performance as soon as possible. Because when we work with master plants and essential oils and acupuncture and chiropractic and mental emotion release, when we put all these together, it is a powerful transformational experience that really it's it's beyond words because once you're touched by the divine once you're in touch with that healing energy of the universe with that innate power for you to heal yourself there's no stopping it it's like a runaway train it's like you're gonna start healing you're gonna have a transformation that has this ripple effect that goes beyond just you and your family but to your crew to your fire station to your you know your workstation to your forest, to your region, to the community. And really what we want to do is is give you the most amazing ceremonial experience and back that up with the integration. How do you take those experiences and come back to 3D reality and implement them? Implement those lessons, those realizations that are so deep and profound that your entire life changes. How do you integrate those? You know, one of my great mentors once told me, it's like, you get a puzzle and then all the pieces are all spread out but then you get to start putting that puzzle back together into a new way a new possibility a new way of being and that's that's what the foundation is working on you know the first retreat is the end of January of 2022 and if that's interesting to you I want you to go to the wildlandwellnessfoundation.com check that out and just schedule a call with Melissa and See if it's a good fit. Again, that's wildlandwellnessfoundation.com. Yeah, so I want to um, kind of open up a new door here. And I understand that you've had a physical therapy practice for quite some time. Um, and I want to kind of open this up to like more of kind of the physical side as far as um, a lot of the modalities that you practice. So for those of us that have had injuries, like myself mm-hmm. and like a lot of our uh, listeners, especially those on the fire line, um, that really get debilitated by something physical, mm. um, what do you think that our mindset should be after an injury or after something that has happened that diminishes us physically? How do we power through something like that? And how do we kind of deal with almost that like loss of purpose once you hit that physical barrier um, to then kind of bounce back? Excellent question. Thank you. I'll do the best I can to answer that. Um, and the first thing I'm going to focus on is, is some of the language that you lo- use, like how do we power through that? You know, and the my answer is you don't power through it. You have to find a way to gently process through it and to get to the other side. And I'm speaking from my own experience as a chronic pain patient. 
um, because that's part of my healing journey too. When I was in my mid thirties, I was actually a chronic pain patient for two and a half years and suffered with absolute debilitating, incapacitating low back pain that radiated all the way across my back, down my hips and my buttocks, both legs and all the way to one of my big, big toes. Um, that's how bad it was at the time. I wasn't a physical therapist. I was a respiratory therapist. So I was very deeply uh, ingrained in the Western medical model of how to heal. So, and there I was, you know, this, and it happened very quickly. Uh, what started out as vague discomfort and uh, tightness in my low back quickly spiraled way out of control to this chronic pain syndrome. So I did everything that I was supposed to do, you know, went to all the doctors and they were taking care of me, went to all the physical therapy um, sessions. And I took all the medications that I was prescribed, the muscle relaxers, the anti-inflammatories, the pain pills. Uh, I did all the stretches and the exercises that the physical therapists gave me because I was a good patient and I was very well invested into getting better and healing because you know, if you've had chronic pain, it's a very miserable way to live. And so, and then too, to go back to the first part of your question, I mean, this was my identity was this active, healthy, vibrant young woman that was a downhill skier, took ballet class several times a week, did Pilates classes, you know, worked in a profession, not like, you know, what the firefighters go through, of course, but there I was still part of the resuscitation team, critical care, emergency room, you know, it was uh, life support equipment. So it was, you know, very high, high pressure, high level stress type of job. So all of a sudden I grow from that to being an incapacitated chronic pain patient. And it wasn't until one of my doctors told me, that I would never be able to do my laundry and my grocery shopping all in the same day because the arthritis in my spine was so severe, I would end up being bedridden. And I looked at her with a confused look on my face and I said, you don't understand. I'm planning on going back to ballet class. And she laughed in my face and told me, you don't understand. You are a chronic pain patient. You will never have the life you had before. You will never have the life that you expected to have. But don't worry, we will take care of you. And forget about PT school, because she knew that that was one of my goals. She says, you're just way too broken. You can't do it. You can't do the work. And even if you could, you're just too darn old to go to PT school, and you're way too old to be doing ballet. And I was 36. So that woman did a couple of things. She actually, you know, she took away my hope, she shattered my dreams, and she destroyed my spirit. And I went home, and I hit rock bottom, and a few days later, I had an epiphany. Uh, er, epiphany. It was like one of those mental head-smacking moments, and it was like, wait a minute, I, I, I don't accept this. I'm not going to accept it. I'm going to figure this out on my own, because in two and a half years, not only did they not help me, they've been making me worse. So I told myself I could get better, but I'm going to have to do it on my own. So I stopped all, I fired my entire medical team, much to their distress, <laughs> and stopped taking all the medications. And I stopped doing the exercises and the stretches because they were making me worse, not better. 
And I knew enough about movement through dance um, and through Pilates, because I had studied quite a bit of it, that I went back to how we learned how to move when we were children. You know, nobody gave us little baby barbells and said, here, strengthen your biceps, and then we'll teach you how to roll over in bed. We learned how to move just by exploring and personal experience and playing with movement. And everything that we did, it either worked or it didn't work. And so by self-exploration, I went back to that idea. I would get down on the floor. I would do very gentle movement, and I would figure out what was making my pain worse and I would find movement patterns that was helping relieve the pain. And I did that religiously every day for several months. And I added acupuncture for the first time in my life. And between my own exploration and the acupuncture, I was able to get out of pain. But I think the biggest thing that I did was I took away that label. Because once somebody puts a label on you, like you are a chronic pain patient, and then they give you a prognosis, you're never going to get better. And then they give you the protocol, this is what you're going to have to do. And you follow it religiously, and you end up not only not getting better, but either stuck in that same pattern or getting worse. And it wasn't until after this experience with my back pain that I ended up finding Feldenkrais. Um, but I think if I had known Feldenkrais prior to that, I never would have got in that situation to begin with. So I don't know if that answered your question. No, it gives me some great insight into um, like really how the physical aspect of being injured or getting hurt or trying to even just better your body comes a lot from intention and what kind of you think you want to get to the wants that you have the really big part of intentionality of kind of breaking barriers and really focusing on what you want and making the like future version of your intentions feel like they're present almost so your intentions may look a little different than say like what the doctor wants so the intention that you have might not be the same thing that they're experiencing so once you have that intention or once you have that picture of yourself that you want then you're just asking all these people to support you and trying to get you to that position instead of depending on some of these other people's perspectives only. Exactly. And I love the way that you said intention because that's absolutely um, true. It is all about intention. It's also about belief system, belief system and self-image. Because when you end up in a situation like I was in, or you know, some of the people that you work with um, who were healthy and active and now are injured and incapacitated, it really messes with your self-image. Like, who are you now? If you know, five weeks ago you could do all of this incredible work and now you're lying flat on your back. So that's part of it too. So it, it really is something that Feldenkrais actually does work with, but in a very indirect way is our self-image as well as our belief system. So I want to tie into that real quick. Um, you explained that you have like a warrior spirit, and I know you haven't mentioned that right this minute during this podcast, but I really want to dive into that for a minute. Um, so I want to know how do we as other people develop a warrior spirit and then really get in touch with it and practice it? Great question. I do believe that there is the spirit of a warrior already in each and every one of us. 
And we just have to find a way to tap into that. And it sounds, I mean, it sounds easier than it actually is. For me, I think I've always, um, I've always been a fighter in some way, shape or form, but I never really realized how much of the warrior spirit was in me until I started um, training in martial arts. Now, that's how I found mine, but somebody else might find it through yoga. They might find it through meditation. They might find it through hiking in the mountains. We all have our way of, you know, what's going to, to allow that warrior spirit to not only come forward, but to grow and to become such a part of us that it never leaves us. And I've seen this happen even with clients that I've worked with. I taught a lot of self-defense classes for women and girls and um, just even a few minor things that I could teach them in class of how to move, how to stand, how to walk and how to carry yourself. You could just see within a matter of less than the class being over even before class ended, you could see their warrior spirit start to come forth. And that I think is also a sense of confidence, not only physically, but mentally, emotionally, and even spiritually. Oh, wow. That's amazing. I love this conversation. And it just, it's so powerful to, to tap into our warrior spirit. And I think the, the wildland firefighters, like they have to, they have to bring out this warrior spirit and really dig deep into, into who they are and, and, mm-hmm. and work through those things as we're on the line. It's, it's so important. And I wanted to go back to something you were talking about with your journey with the doctors and the medical system and, and, like you said, labels to me are, they're almost dangerous in some ways, right? If we really subscribe to it. But I think what I want to go back to is the way this doctor was speaking to you. I think we've heard this, we've heard this story a million times, at least I have from a lot of people from a lot of different ways. And I feel like I'm not really sure the medical system understands how strong and powerful words are because they start to create our beliefs. Like you're seeing the self-image and for a lot of people, that doctor, it, they almost either kill them or heal them with their words. Would you agree? Absolutely. Words are incredibly powerful, which is something as an NLP practitioner, you certainly know, but words can, they can kill or they can heal. They can harm or they can help. Um, And it's not only just the words that you choose, it's the words, the way you deliver it. And I had a lovely woman I worked with years ago who had a car accident, um, really bad neck pain. And I was working actually in a chiropractic clinic at the time. I had set up a PT um, department for two chiropractors. So we did PT and rehabilitative Pilates. Um, And, you know, she, once she was done with the chiropractic treatment, she came over to me. We worked together and in a matter of maybe a month or so, she was pain-free, back doing everything she had done before. So she was a happy camper. And I says, well, you know, you're done with me. You just call me if you need anything. And about... A month later, she came back and she walked into my office. She could barely walk into my office. She was crying. You could just see the pain in her eyes and on her face. And I said, oh my goodness, what happened? Did you have another accident? What happened? And she said, no, that she went back to uh, the doctor and they were reviewing her x-rays. And as they were reviewing the x-rays, 
he pointed out something in her cervical spine and said, do you see this here? Because of your accident, you could have permanent damage. And the only thing she heard was permanent damage. And it's almost like those words were hanging over her head in red, a red neon sign. And even when she would tell me, she would say those words, permanent damage. And they had so much weight for her. So it was like we were starting back from the very beginning. But what I had to point out was, look at what you were able to do. Look at how far you had come. If you had all of this permanent damage, you would never have achieved the level of function that you did. So don't listen to that. So we worked together for a few more weeks and eventually she did get back to her 100%. But that was a powerful lesson for me of how important it is what we say to our clients, what we say to other people, and even what we tell ourselves is so important because what we hear, if we hear it often enough, it's what we believe. And what we believe is what we become. So guard your words carefully. I want to guide you through natural wellness and holistic medicine, which means using products like essential oils, essential vibes, glutathione mouthwashes, or even reading books. There's so many products out there that can help us, supplements, essential oils, there's so many things about the doTERRA lines of essential oils that I use every day, like lemon to detox my body and help me hydrate, like on guard to give me that extra edge in my immune system with the pandemic going, uh, balance to keep me grounded and moving forward in my life. I use the oils every single day, morning, afternoon, night. One of the biggest things they help me with is sleep. I sleep so well because I'm... You know, I'll lay on the lavender, I'll lay on the balance, I'll feel so grounded and sleepy and it's lights out. And I know the wildland fire community just struggles so much with sleep, really the lack of it, right? On top of that, there's books. There's, I've written three major books for the wildland fire community and, and I want you to try them out, give them a read, get the ebook, get the paperback, whatever suits you. But there's Overcome Anxiety Like a Hero, really teaches you how to get to a flow state. Awakened by Heart Fire is really the spiritual aspects of wildland fire and the heart fire anthology, the guided meditations, the heart fire method will completely change your life. And of course, six minutes for excellence. That is a guidebook for wildland firefighter excellence, peak performance, mindset, all those things. So go to mountainmindtricks.com, check out the store, check out essential oils, essential vibes, uh, go to the publishing tab, check out the books. Natural wellness is all about taking one step today that makes us 1% better. 1% better today, 1% better tomorrow, and 1% better the next day and the next day. One little habit adds up to moving an entire mountain with our health. That's what I want to guide you through. The essential oils, essential vibes, books, supplements, whatever you need, I'm here for you. So just go ahead and go to mountainmindtricks.com and click on the shop and go to essential oils, essential vibes, or go to the publishing tab and, and check out the books we've got. Yeah, it's so, so huge. And I, I actually had a, a similar experience with a, a chiropractor. I had a snowboarding accident. I was in a ton of pain. 
And uh, he was the first chiropractor I'd like, it was just a random person I had to go to new person. And um, he wanted to do x-rays. I was like, okay, well, and then he, he really wanted me to look at the x-rays. And I kept saying like, no, I'm not going to look at the x-rays. Like I really don't want to, I just have no interest, like no way. And he kind of forced me into it. Oh. And, and he, same thing. He said, look at this and you should never be a firefighter. You did all these things. I was like 27, maybe 26. Oh. And, you know, and he, he showed, it was just same exact thing. My physical body just became a mess after that. And what's interesting is it was acupuncture and somebody actually working with me, like, no, you can heal that. Like, that's easy here. Take a supplement. And like within six months of acupuncture and, uh, you know, taking really high end pharmaceutical grade kind of supplements for cartilage. Mm-hmm. I've never had that back pain ever again. And it's so powerful. Like I, 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 um, these words, like you said, even the way we talk to ourselves, it really is everything. Absolutely. Be very careful what you tell yourself. And I always tell my clients, don't never denigrate yourself, even in jest. And I know about this because I used to be a master at it. Um, but even if you say, oh, that was so stupid, I'm so dumb, you know, that your nervous system is always recording. It's taking everything in like a computer. So don't even, you know, don't fall asleep in front of the television. That's terrible because your brain is recording everything it hears. And your brain is not determining um, whether it's right or wrong, true or false, fact or fiction. It's just recording it like a computer and it will spit it back out. So if you tell yourself, you know, that you're stupid often enough, you're going to become stupid. You know, it's just a way of uh, of degrading yourself. And what we really need to do is to be more kind and gentle with ourselves, which is not some, that's not the way we're raised. I don't know, maybe you were, but, you know, when I was growing up, you, you, you know, we had to be pretty hard on ourselves. Right, right. And I think, you know, so I wanted to ask you, there's a book I use in my practice all the time, and it's uh, Heal Your Body by uh, Louise Hay. I'm curious, are you familiar with that? Uh, with that book? I'm familiar with it only because you told me about it the last time we spoke and I never did get it, but uh, I love the concept of it. And it sounds like it's exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. And I think, yeah, it's just those affirmations, like those affirmations uh, are so powerful. And, and it just like we're talking about these words are the most important thing we say to ourselves sometimes. And, mm -hmm. and I, I love it so much. So I want to ask you about your, your podcast. It's called Femininja Project, right? Yes. And what's like the, the intention, like what's kind of, what was the story behind starting that podcast? Well, I kind of fell into podcasting and it's a long backstory. I just, um, I'll try and just do the bullet points. There's a lady in town who has a radio talk show and she announced one day that she was starting a platform of nothing but female podcasters and sign up to, you know, receive our newsletter. So I signed up right away and I got an automated response. Hey, why don't you enter our contest? Because we're looking for the next best female podcaster. So I'm thinking, huh, I don't know what a podcast is. I don't know why I would want one. People tell me that I probably should look into it. And I really like this lady. So um, I think I'm going to enter her contest. So maybe I could learn something about podcasting and maybe meet her in person someday. 
Oh, so I did. And I knew nothing about what I was doing. It was an incredible learning experience. I did not win the contest, but I was invited to be on the platform. So after being on that platform for a year, I said, it's time for me to go out on my own. So I did. Um, and the whole mission or the whole project is about um, overcoming obstacles, personal empowerment, restoring human dignity, alternative health and healing, finding your voice, standing your ground, living well, and looking good. So it's loosely based on my experience as a martial artist. But of course, we we weave in a lot of, you know, Feldenkrais and a movement and a lot of alternative healing experts such as yourself. Um, so that's what it's all about. And so it's not just for women only. And it's, it's not about feminism. It's about power. Oh, I love the podcast. It sounds so amazing. And, and I've listened to a couple episodes. It's really good. And I think one of the things that's so awesome about this is that there's the women that are in wildland fire, it can be really hard for them because they may be the one woman, you know, there's 19 guys and one girl on a lot mm. of the hotshot crews, or uh, maybe it's like six guys and two girls. And it's just, it's so masculine and kind of machismo. And, and so it can be really hard on the women. So I love this. I, I, I think this podcast would be really good for all the, if there's any women left listening that are in wildland fire. Well, not only that, um, if they're listening and if they're intrigued and they would be interested in being a guest on my show, I would love to talk to them. Oh, I would so love to awesome. hear their, their, you know, their perspective. And it's, it's funny that you mentioned the male dominated, um, you know, environment because basically of course it is. Um, uh, but that was basically my experience in martial arts. Uh, oftentimes I was the only woman in class and for some reason, you know, the dojo that I train at and the style that I study, it's it's just not very well known. It's more of an obscure ancient Japanese martial art. So it's a small, small dojo in a small community, but we don't have a whole lot of women. And especially when I was training. So there I would be this, you know, middle-aged ballet dancer, um, little princess, um, a alone with all of these guys. And, you know, their goal was to hit me, punch me, kick me, throw me to the ground and pin me. And it was just really, um, it was quite the experience and quite a learning experience, but it ended up being a lot of fun, but I can understand, you know, it's really tough being the lone female. Yeah. So, so there's this amazing book that I've read recently that I think this ties in too well. And it's, it's the funniest, the, it's the most ridiculous title. It's called how to be an adult. <laughs> and it, right. And, but it goes really deep in the psychology and, in uh, into young psychology specifically. But what, uh, David Rico talks about is that he talks about the integration work and what he says, I think the way he frames it is that if somebody's afraid to go, they're afraid of water, right? Like they can't swim. They never swim in their life. Their integration work is to go take a swimming lesson and eventually swim in the ocean. And I think like this is, I just hear your story and I think this is so big and such a powerful lesson of like, we have to face our fears and, and because it gives us empowerment, doesn't it? It absolutely does. And, you know, I would be the first person to say, I'm not going to face my fears. I'm just going to avoid them. And, you know, you can do that through life, but I guess I just got to a point where, 
you know, the universe or whoever is in control just hit me over the head with a proverbial, you know, two by four and say, you know, you're, you're going to do this. And even when it came to martial arts, I, I always tell people, I never went looking for that art, but it came looking for me. Yeah. So interesting. It's amazing how the universe shows up for us, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And thank goodness I finally capitulated and said, okay, you know, I'll, I'll finally do it just to prove how much I'm going to hate it. And right. obviously I didn't hate it. Um, I loved the training. I loved the art and I really, really loved the sense of strength, courage, confidence, and empowerment that I got through the training. Oh, I love that so much. So huge. Really that warrior spirit. Yeah, so I'm really interested in like incorporating a lot of these things. Like you said, you got into martial arts and a lot of these different modalities that have been really good in like slow, intentional movement that is actually super beneficial, even though a lot of us kind of believe that we need to attack this with as much effort as possible and just get it over with. But I'm interested if you could give us like some simple tips on like how to get ourselves introduced to some of these modalities, how to kind of like reframe our mindset a little bit on stop trying to power through everything all the time that's good in a few situations but how do we open up to a more delicate and maybe even like useful in a different way kind of thing where we can really benefit our minds and our bodies well you just said it perfectly uh change your mindset and that's something that i think comes along with a certain age or a certain experience that when you do have um either an injury or you know you feel like you're not making any progress either with, you know, your physical wellness or whatever, you know, that it's like, okay, I've got to do something different, but I don't know what it is. And the biggest, biggest, um, most valuable piece of information I think I could share with you is, and your listeners is to be kind to yourself and be gentle. Stop thinking that you have to power through movement or you have to push through movement or through challenges that you're having in your life, it's so important to just sit back and say, okay, what's going on? How do I handle this? How can I do it in a way that's a little bit more interesting, you know, and with interest, curiosity, possibilities. How can I get through this in a different way? So I'm changing the way it's almost like I always drive the same way to work, let's say. And, you know, always works out pretty well. Now, all of a sudden, there's construction going on. Are you going to sit there and wait through the construction for the next nine months? Or are you going to find another pathway and another, um, another road to take? And so that's basically what you're doing. It's just stepping away and saying, how can I go about this a different way? And how can I be more gentle with myself? And when you do that, it's all about slowing yourself down. So slowing down and self-awareness, and it can start with something just as simple and as easily as cleaning the kitchen. You know, when I started the Feldenkrais and then when it was kind of coinciding with my martial arts at the same time, it was like, whoa, it was uh, really powerful because even in martial arts, we train and we learn new patterns very slowly so we can learn them, um, get them ingrained into our brain and our nervous system, but also so we don't hurt each other. But even taking that type of, of philosophy and using it to clean the kitchen when I'm taking a cloth and as I'm cleaning the countertops, it's really slowing down, shifting my weight, using my hips to guide my hand and the rest of my body. And it's like, wow, this doesn't 
feel like effort. This actually feels, you know, kind of soothing. And it's giving my nervous system some really good information on how I can move. If I take that same quality of movement and I use that when I go to the dojo as I'm trying to, you know, take somebody down who's, well, half my age and twice my size, if I go back to that nice, gentle movement and finding that movement pattern, I can throw somebody. But if I try and power through it, it's not going to work. And I'm the one that's going to get hurt or I'm the one that's going to get thrown. Yeah. And there's something really elegant and inspiring about somebody that does something that's very difficult and just in a way that makes it seem so easy and fluid and like they have complete control over everything that's going on, even though it seems like something that's either chaotic or difficult or hard. Um, and I'm wondering how like the breath or like intentionality of some of these exercises really kind of develops inside of us. You know, I think that it's more organic the way that it happens. So, you know, we talk about, you know, the breathing and we talk about our intention, but it really gets to a deeper level of sensing it for yourself as you are doing the movement. Um, so we even have a lot of, um, lessons in the Feldenkrais method that are strictly breathing lessons. And it's really funny because they're not my favorite, <laughs> which is kind of funny because as a former respiratory therapist, you think I would love them. Um, but there are certain things that really do um, resonate with me. And then it was like the breathing lessons I just don't like. And then all of a sudden, toward the end of my training, we were introduced to a breathing lesson that I love so much. I go instinctively to that every time I, I decide to get down on the floor. It just really makes a difference and I can feel it in my nervous system where the other ones I didn't. So it's about recognizing what is pleasurable to you, what feels good. Just because these breathing lessons are in the Feldenkrais program doesn't mean I have to do them if I don't like them, if they don't resonate with me. So it's about making movement pleasurable. It's about being satisfied in your body and not straining anything. And we have a saying in Feldenkrais that goes, you should be just like this close to a smile when you're doing movement. It should be so pleasant that you feel like, you know, you're just ready to break into a smile, a gentle smile, rather than scowling, grunting, groaning, and, you know, pushing through it. Here at Mountain Mind Tricks, we value you taking steps to increase your confidence, your peak performance, your leadership, and your resiliency. Our mission is to build safety and protect resources by developing the individual through tested, researched, and successful techniques. See yourself accomplishing everything you want in the future. See yourself in the place that you want to be, making the money you want to make, having successful relationships, being healthy, and being connected with your higher mission and purpose. At Mountain Mind Tricks, we now offer you your choice of practitioner for the sessions that will get you to being who you want to be. We have options available for coaching sessions, breakthrough sessions, fitness and nutrition, and breath work. Go to mountainmindtricks.com and click on the alternative mental health button. Here you'll have access to providers and information to help you do what you've always wanted to do. Choose your practitioner and schedule a free call to find out if you're a good fit. Get information on how breakthrough sessions work, why coaching can help you reach your goals, what breath work is, and how transformative it can be, and how to take your fitness to the next level. If you're looking to solve problems in your life, 
become a leader, and operate with peak performance, Mountain Mind Tricks can help you get there. Contact Thomas or Anne if you're interested in a breakthrough session, which can be life-changing and is a proven and successful technique. Again, visit mountainmindtricks.com and click on that alternative mental health button, or browse around and find out some of the other resources we have. Wow, this is this is so interesting because I think this is so opposite of the wild and fire culture, right? Of 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 basically, you know, we have to push through that CrossFit workout, and then we got to run six miles tomorrow, and then run ten miles later this week, and do this another CrossFit workout, and do another hike, and it's just always this pushing, pushing so hard because we have to be fit enough for the line, and and I really think adding some of these amazing either martial arts or Feldenkrais type movements is so critical because it allows us, like you said, to slow down. And it's so funny because there's this, there's this saying we have on the line, which is smooth as fast, mm. um, you know, or slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Right. And, and that's really what you're talking about. And it's so hard to do as a wildland firefighter sometimes. So I think this is so critical for us. And like, for example, there's this thing where, I can always pick out somebody that's been in wildland fire usually in the grocery store because they're walking super fast and like their girlfriend or boyfriend is like way behind them and they're just marching. Right. Because it's so embedded. It's so embedded. And so it's just an example of like how we're it's, it's just in our body at this point. Right. Well, and it has to be because that is, um, you know, it's a survival technique for you. I mean, you're working on something that is can change at a in a nanosecond, you know, when you're on the line. I mean, I, I can't imagine what what you you men and women go through doing a, a, the fires. Oh, it, you know, thank you for doing that. My goodness. But you also have to then balance that out. And you said it perfectly with, you know, doing the CrossFit and the running and then the hiking. And so you're always moving, moving, moving and pushing through things. Well, you can balance that out by doing something like either the uh, Tai Chi is a perfect example, Feldenkrais or Tai Chi. So it gets you into that place where you can move slowly and out of that sympathetic nervous system. Because even when you're working out, you know, that's probably putting you into a little bit more of a fight or flight, which is a place that you're at most of the time anyhow, especially when you're on the line. Right, but a right. chance to be able to go into the the um, parasympathetic state. And then once you can do that, when you go back to your running and your, um, your CrossFit and even being on the line, even under duress, your nervous system is going to remember what it learned. And even though you're really pushing through, you're going to be a lot more balanced on your structure. So what we do in Feldenkrais is we we work more, as you know, with, of, of course, the nervous system, but our skeletal structure as well. So we don't focus on muscles. It's not about stretching muscles, strengthening muscles. It's about organizing our nervous system and organizing our skeletal structure because our skeleton is actually what keeps us upright. And our skeleton is what moves us through space. The computer, the brain, the nervous system is what's putting the signals together and telling us what to do. The muscles just contract and relax according to the messages that are being sent 
by the nervous system, but it's actually the skeletal movement that makes things effortless, which is really even more challenging to try and find that skeletal um, neutrality um, or ease when you're carrying all the equipment that you're carrying when you're working the line. Right. Yeah, that's so interesting. So if you can find that in a way that you don't have to be weighed down with the pack and all that stuff, you start out in a very comfortable environment where you can explore and then it automatically will eventually translate to other activities. And I've seen that, I've experienced that myself in ballet class and in martial arts and in you know a lot of other things, picking up packages and boxes and stuff for someone my size and my age, I'm a lot stronger than I look. Right, right. So this is this this is something I, I've been wanting to talk to you about, and and specifically, um, you know, I had a psilocybin journey a couple months ago, uh, almost mm -hmm. three months ago now, and I found myself in these weird concocted kind of positions, and I had I was going through all this like really chronic pain from having COVID, and um, like chest pain and neck pain and, and all this like really upper body pain. And I found myself in these really weird, like it was not yoga. It was not anything I've ever done before. It's just like my body wants to do this. And so I would just lay there for maybe 20 to 15 minutes and then kind of shift. And, and I found myself completely pain-free after that experience. And there's a lot of mental, emotional things that went on as well. But I wanted to get your take on this of, of really tapping into our nervous system in these, these like different positions. All I could say is that our bodies are a lot smarter than we are. Sometimes we like to think that we have to control everything. And so our cognitive um, function gets in the way of our movement. And your body was just doing what it knew it needed to do. And what it knew it had to do to heal and to move certain areas that may have been blocked. You know, you may have had um, either joints or soft tissue or something that was causing the, the pain. And through your body's own wisdom, it was able to explore and unlock it through positions that you probably never would have considered doing on your own. Right. Absolutely. And it was really interesting. And, and I just remember like a couple of days later, I was like, oh, this is so much like Feldenkrais. And, and I mm -hmm. guess uh, to to um, kind of shift a little bit, I want to ask you, like you mentioned Tai Chi and I did Tai Chi in high school for three or four years, like very like three or four days a week. Um, so it was really in my life at that time. And I'm curious, like, could you or is there any comparison of Tai Chi to Feldenkrais? I would have to say there is, there is not only with Tai Chi, but with any martial art as well, except for, you know, the hard, um, the really hard forms of martial arts. But Moshe Feldenkrais was a martial artist and he was actually a judo expert. He was the first non-Asian to earn a black belt in judo. Um, and he studied with the, I can't remember the man's name, who had developed judo. Um, so the principles of martial arts is all the way through the Feldenkrais method. And at first, I didn't see it at first when I first began training in, in Feldenkrais, because I thought, well, this is nothing like martial arts. But yes, it is. Just the principles of moving slowly, the self-awareness, um, you know, the 
the brain, body, mind, um, body, spirit, soul connection is really powerful. And Feldenkrais is also about survival, just as martial arts is about survival, because the more easily you can move, the more comfortably you can, can move, the safer you are in any environment. And then having that awareness, not only just the awareness of, um, you know, being, I can see my surroundings, but it's more of an intuitive type of awareness as well that comes along with both Feldenkrais and martial arts. Oh, that's, that's, yeah, I love that so much. And yeah, Tai Chi was a game changer for me in high school. It really helped me find some balance in what I was struggling with. And, and it's still, you know, I practice a lot of Qigong uh, exercises still now. And, and I love it. The slow moving, the breathing, the focusing on the body, it really changes our whole nervous system. Like you're saying, it's so beautiful. Um, I guess I'm just going to pick your brain a little bit, Cheryl. And it's a lot of like your past experience has been in these different kind of movement modalities. Is there anything that you've learned recently or anything that you're really looking forward to kind of opening up into? Like, is there something else that is of really big interest to you that uh, might be beneficial to us as well? Well, boy, that's, that's, that's really a can of worms there. Um, I don't even know if I should say this, but I, I guess I will. Um, one of the things that I've learned through my journey is to keep an open mind and to keep trying new things um, just because it, 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 it's so good for your brain, your, your body, your mind, you know, your spirit, your vitality, everything. So I basically started um, studying pole uh, a few years ago. Some people call it fit pole. Some people call it pole sport. Some people call it pole dancing, but that doesn't sound very sophisticated, but it's just something else uh, to add to my repertoire. And I never would have done it if it hadn't been for the Feldenkrais technique, because it's just something that you never stop learning. You always want to just keep on taking things to the next level, but not in a way that you're going to get hurt. And I I have got to tell you that it's a very dangerous sport uh, to, to get involved in. And in watching some of the other women and the men go about doing, you know, the activities and doing some of the techniques, it's their lack of awareness is really frightening. And I've actually had watched people fall, you know, off of the pole and we're, we're on a hard floor and hit their heads. And they kind of, you know, are a little curious that why am I so cautious? And it's because if I'm not going to do something well, why am I going to do it? And I want to do it in a way that's safe and comfortable, even though I'm working hard. So um, basically what I would just suggest to the listeners is keep an open mind, keep looking at all kinds of things that are out there, um, explore. There are so many different things you can do as far as movement, if it's going to, um, you know, a class or trying something new, crazy, different, uh, keep an open mind and just go for it. As long as you're in a safe environment where people are, are careful, um, just do it. So the last couple of years I had to quit coffee because coffee was like this liquid shot of anxiety for me. Like my heart would race. I could focus intently, but only for a couple hours and I would crash super hard. And my sleep was so off. I mean, I would be wandering the universe until, I don't know, three in the morning before I finally got to sleep. 
And then I had to get back out at six or seven in the morning. And I was groggy, I was tired. It just wasn't working for me. It's not that I was mad at coffee, I was just really disappointed. And so I ended up quitting coffee. And I've been searching for an alternative for a long time. And that's when I came across Mudwater. Mudwater is this amazing, amazing tea. It's got masala chai in it, it's got cacao, lion's mane, cordyceps, chaga, reishi, cinnamon, turmeric, and Himalayan sea salt. And what's so amazing is that you feel the same energy, that same burst that you get from coffee, but it sustains all day. There's no crash, there's no headache, there's no dehydration. It's just this beautiful experience. And so yeah, I'm gonna say it, fuck your coffee. You gotta switch over to mud water because mud water will change your life. There's immune boosting properties, helps you focus with the lion's mane. There's one seventh of the caffeine compared to coffee. And so there's no jitters, there's no anxiety. It's just this beautiful experience with beautiful plants. So fuck your coffee. So if you wanna try out mud water, I want you to go to mountainmindtricks.com slash mudwater or go to the shop and click on the button. Again, that's mountainmindtricks.com slash mudwater. So one of my favorite things about the Mudwater Company is that they donate a percentage of their profits to the MAPS Institute. It's an organization that develops medical, legal, and cultural context for people to benefit from the careful uses of psychedelics. So the you know, MDMA psychedelic assisted therapy phase three trials, this is MAPS. And that's so important because there's been some amazing breakthroughs in the research with veterans and PTSD and depression and all sorts of amazing things that they're doing it's so important to support this company that's amazing so so i wanted to ask you as well is there you mentioned earlier maybe some some easy exercises we can try on our own uh, that can really kind of introduce us to these things do you have anything like that i do and uh let's start i've got three that i'm thinking of in particular okay And one is in a standing position, the other one is sitting, and the other one would be lying down. So they're just three simple little exercises um, or explorations is basically what I want to say that'll take about three minutes, you know, of your time. So the first one would be in standing. And of course, you know, everybody talks about posture and a lot of us have hangups about our posture. I say there's no such thing as good posture or bad posture. There is just neutral posture. What is neutral alignment to you? So oftentimes a lot of us will stand in a way that our knees are locked or, you know, and, and our back is arched and we don't realize it. But instead of trying to analyze your posture, just stand for a moment the way you normally would stand and notice how you're standing. Are you more on one leg or the other? Are are your knees bent? Are they straight? How does your back feel? So bring your sensations and your attention to your low back. And now soften your knees. Don't necessarily bend them, but just soften them and relax them a little bit and stand there and see what changes for you. You might notice a big shift and you might not. You might not notice anything and that's okay. But bring your attention to the shape 
and the sensations in your low back. Now go ahead and straighten your knees all the way. And that might mean that you lock them. Maybe they lock backwards a little bit. But notice how your knees, the shape of your knees, impacts the shape of your low back. And what are the sensations like now in your low back? And what about your breathing? So once again, soften your knees. And notice, can you move a little bit more freely? Can you shift side to side? What's your breathing like? Go back and straighten your knees as much as you can. And again, notice what's happening in your low back. And notice your breathing. And then soften your knees and take a walk around the room. So that little walk around the room is just to give your nervous system an opportunity to integrate some of the sensations and the changes that it learned through this really small exploration. Oh, that's so wonderful. And did you have any feedback or any questions on that? I think, uh, you know, really for me, I can feel like when my knees are, I think my knees are the first thing to tighten up. And then it's like this chain reaction of the rest of my body, right? It's like the breathing gets tight, the chest gets tight. It's like the, it's so interesting how just tightness in one joint kind of has this cascade effect, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. And the other thing too, and that's why I really bring the attention and the focus to the breathing is when you're standing in that position that your knees are really straight. And, you know, like you said, it kind of just, it goes up and up and down the kinetic chain, making movement even, you know, more difficult and more effortful. But also that is a position more of stress and anxiety. Right. And when you soften your knees, then you can feel your chest start to be softer and the breathing gets a little bit easier. So that's one of the things that I really love to do. It's very simple, very easy. And in that one simple little exploration, there's a tremendous amount of learning available there. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. So if you're sitting on a firm chair, so you really need a firm chair for this. And what you want to do is you want to scoot really forward on the chair so that your sit bones, your ischial tuberosities, those sit bones are balanced on the edge of your chair. Now for your listeners, if you're doing this at home, you can also take a chair and kind of turn it, angle it a little bit. So you're on a kind of like the corner of the chair, but you just want to really feel those two bones weighted on a firm surface and then put your feet out in front of you so that your feet are firmly balanced on the seat as well. So in this position, this is the beginning of finding your skeleton and finding your pelvis. So you really want to, (laughs) this sounds silly, but you really want to know where your pelvis is anytime you're walking, standing, moving, dancing, you know, rolling around on the floor. The pelvis is the point where all movement begins. So now in this position, you know where your skeleton is, start to very, very gently rock your pelvis backwards so that your back rounds just a little bit, just a small amount, and then come back up. 
to the sitting position. And again, you just roll backwards on your pelvis. Notice how your spine changes shape. And then come back up to your pelvis and notice how your spine lengthens. And as you do this gentle, simple movement, pay attention to your breathing. What's your breathing doing? When do you want to breathe? And how? Do you breathe a little bit more deeply? Do you feel it more in your chest, more in your belly as you breathe? And as you rock your pelvis, notice how your feet contact the floor as well. And then stop and just leave it and scoot a little bit further back on your chair and just rest. And notice how you're sitting now. Wow, I'm sitting so much better. Isn't that amazing? And it's just so small and such a small little thing to do. And it's funny that you use that word better because in Feldenkrais, we like to say there's no good or bad, right or wrong, better or worse, just opportunities to learn. Yeah. Oh, that's so wonderful. Cause all the labels are gone, right? That, that's what's so helpful. We take away the judgment because, you know, there's so much judgment in, in our society and we put so much pressure on ourselves and on each other. So we just remove the judgment. So then we are available to learn and our nervous system is, is willing to accept new sensations and new experiences. Right. Right. Okay. Let's do the third one. Okay. The third one, I'm not sure if you're going to be able to do this one. This is more of it's really not as much about movement, but this is for people, especially if you have pain, uh, especially back pain. And, you know, I'm willing to bet a lot of people listening probably do have some sort of pain. So what I'm going to ask you to do, if it's possible, is to lie on the floor and you're going to lie on the floor in front of a couch or an ottoman, or a soft chair, where you can scoot your bottom as close to the edge of that couch or, or ottoman as possible, and put your legs on the couch or the ottoman in a bent leg position. So you're going to be in a position where, just like you were sitting in a chair, with your knees bent 90-90 to your hips, but this time you're going to be lying on the floor, So and your legs are going to be supported by the chair. Now, you might need either a pillow, a small pillow, a firm pillow would work best underneath your head or a pad. I use those gardening pads a lot with my clients. So take a pad maybe to put underneath your head if your head is back like a little bit too far extended. A lot of us do have a forward head, especially these days when we're spending so much time on the computer. So you might need a little bit more support for your head. And now just lying on the floor, find a way to be comfortable. Your legs can just flop because the couch is supporting you. And as you lay there and just focus on your breathing, and every time you exhale, just feel like your legs can be a little bit heavier on the couch. And then maybe you can feel yourself, your torso, your upper body sinking into the floor. So the floor is really supporting you. And then I'm going to ask you to change your breathing. You're going to add a little component that's called S breathing. That when you exhale, 
you're going to make the sound of an S or a leaky tire or a snake hissing. So when you inhale, you exhale. So your lips, your teeth are kind of together. Your lips are soft, no tension in your face. It's just that nice inhale. And then the exhale. So believe it or not, this S breathing really helps calm the nervous system and take you deeper into the parasympathetic state. And you can do the S breathing anywhere. I've actually done it in my car um, when I've been worked up and needed to relax, but, you know, needed a really quick calm down method. And now just stop for a moment and kind of wiggle your legs a little bit back and forth on the couch. How do they feel? Do they feel a little softer? Do they feel a little more flexible, a little bit less, less tense? This is so interesting. So I just imagine myself doing it because I know the mind's that strong. Um, my legs feel more circulation. Like they feel really relaxed, really, really relaxed. Like that is so like, there's definitely a change in my legs. This is so interesting. Awesome. And I am so, so glad that you mentioned you did that in your imagination because we use our imagination a lot in Feldenkrais. And there are times when we'll do an entire lesson without moving, but we'll do the lesson in our imagination. So awesome. So yeah, cool. so that's that, and that does speak to the power of the mind and the brain, and um, how much we can do to change our patterns and to change our mindset, and how even a simple shift in our mindset can really impact us in every every aspect of our lives. I guess it helps me. I'm always talking about the mind body connection. It's so fascinating to me, and it's one of my favorite subjects. And it's it's really what me and Anne do so much with the mental emotional release is that. When we change these beliefs, that person literally has a physiological change in their body. It is so amazing. It's so interesting. And, and it just, it just proves that. Yeah. It's so cool. Absolutely. And then, you know, when you do this type of work and it's not like you have to do it constantly, even just maybe five or 10 minutes a day, you're doing something like this. Then when you do have to put on the pack and the equipment and you're carrying it, you know, and running to a fire you're more organized in what you do. And I noticed that, you know, if I have to, people are sometimes surprised when they see me lifting heavy boxes or doing something. I did a, um, a, a show the other couple of weeks ago and lifting heavy boxes of books and stuff. And they're like, let me help you. Let me help you. And I'm like, no, I can do it because I know how to organize mm. myself. Yeah. That's so huge. Having really organized, like functional movement. So important. I just wanted to make a comment too on um, just like really noting how our body moves through space will be a really good like injury preventer, um, like a, a stress preventer on some of your muscles as far as just like tension and soreness and everything. Because once you do some of these exercises and really understand where your hips are sitting when you're walking, where your breathing is at as you're starting to exert yourself, um, doing a lot of these things, just paying attention to kind of these more minute things that we've been talking about instead of forcing everything all the time, it takes, like you said, just a minute or two. Um, and just trying to focus on how your body just sits on itself, where the soreness is, where the soreness isn't, how you feel about those things. Um, and I'll take it to the breath again really quick that 
One of my favorite breathing exercises is called the four, seven, eight breath. Um, it's just a count of four in, a hold for seven, and an exhale for eight. Um, and I usually do three or four of those in a row. It takes less than a minute. And the importance of kind of jumping back into that parasympathetic system and kind of reducing that stress, even for a little bit, the importance of breathing, especially in our line of work, is so important just to kind of reset, get a clear focus, and go about what we're doing with a clear mind. Absolutely. And, you know, if you can't breathe, you can't function. You know, and so many times, even I notice how people hold their breath, you know, when they're trying to do something that's effortful um, and it's not serving them well. But when you can get that flow of the breathing, not just to make the movement easier, but my goodness, just for your physiology and your, you know, all of the organ function, it's just, you know, the breath of life. Yeah, so interesting when it comes to this breath and being effortful is is there so many times as a sawyer that, um, you know, sometimes we're standing in hot coals, we have a tree on fire that we have to cut down and it's like we're breathing smoke and it's just like we have to hold our breath and do the cuts at the same time and it's like we have to like really time our breathing with the smoke sometimes and it's really interesting. It really changes the whole dynamic. And, and like, you're right. It's the breath is everything. And where, where can people find you, Cheryl? Uh, well, you can go to my website, CherylILove.com. Um, you, you can find, go to my Femininja pod, podcast. I have a website for that. It's called thefemininjaproject.com. Um, so I've got all of my um, episodes on there as well as, you know, it's on Apple, iHeart, Spotify, all of those sites as well. Uh, you can look for me on LinkedIn. I love to connect with people on LinkedIn. And if you do go to my website um, and sign up for my newsletter, you have access to three kind of mini lessons. I call them meditation through movement lessons. And they're about 20 minutes long. So it can give you a little bit more of an idea of what Feldenkrais is like without hopping into a full 45 minute um, lesson or trying to find somebody who's teaching near you. Oh, that's so amazing. And, and do you have any last thoughts or anything that we didn't ask you or something you want to go deeper on? No, you ask some very, very deep, thoughtful questions. But the only thing that I do want to leave with the audience is that you can heal from anything. You know, it just takes a little bit of effort. It takes consistency and it takes changing your mindset. And please do not let anybody put a label on you. And remember that what we believe is what we eventually become. I just really appreciate all those um, incredible words and just kind of resonating with labels don't stick to you unless you want them to. And going back to that intention, as long as you have a positive intention in your mind, um, everyone around you is just there to help support that intention. So get after it. And thank you, Cheryl. I really appreciate all, all of your story. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you both for having me here. I really appreciate your time. Yes, thank you so much. And I'm so excited for my interview with you and going on your podcast again. It's going to be so much fun. And, and just thank you so much for your story, for going deep with us and teaching us some amazing things about our nervous system. Oh, you are so welcome. And once again, thank you so much for having me. And thank you for being on my show again, because <laughs> I just love having you on. And Anne, if you're ever interested, let me know. Let's love to have something. you as a guest. You got it. Awesome. Thank you.